Hey there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant. Welcome to the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where I am committed to resolving your child's exhausting sleep habits. This is episode 121. I am speaking with Holly of Safe Beginnings. She is a regular guest here on my podcast. I love having her on. And I just sent her an email and I said, Holly, I want to talk about these things. I want to talk about bunk beds. I want to talk about open bed safety. And I actually want to get into entrapment. Guys, this is something that we've never talked about on the podcast before, the possibility of a child becoming trapped between the wall and the bed and the dangers that are there. So we are unpacking all of this together with Holly. I know this is going to be a good one for you to listen into. So soak it up and enjoy our conversation. Okay, guys, welcome back with Holly of Safe Beginnings. I have this topic in my head. I reached out to Holly on Instagram and was like, I really want to talk about this. You're my person that I just really want to have the conversation about bed safety. And this is, if you're listening to this episode, this has not, we're not focusing on crib safety. You would kind of think if we're talking about bed safety, like, oh, I bet this is for crib. The past episodes that Holly has joined me on, I'll link them below. We've talked about this before and you can obviously follow Holly on Instagram to get that. But today we're talking about bed safety. Um, and Holly is the number one person to have on to talk through this with us. Um, so anyways, welcome Holly. I'm so glad you're here, um, to be with us again. Thank you so much for having me, Becca. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Awesome. Well, for those who are like, wait, who's this Holly girl and what is safe beginnings? Can you run through real quick who you are, what you do? Yes. So hi everyone. My name is Holly Choi. I am the co-owner of Safe Beginnings First Aid. We are a Canada-based infant and toddler safety company. So specifically, we're the leading provider of infant and toddler focused safety courses. So first aid, car seat safety. We do a lot of injury prevention work, including childproofing. So that's really our main focus. And we help families all across North America, both in person and online, keeping their kids safe at home. So I'm really excited to be here to talk about safety. Yes, this is her jam. And already like, go ahead and pause this episode, go over to Instagram if you're not already and follow just at safe beginnings, right? Correct. Okay. Just safe beginnings, go follow her. There's always good nuggets, always good information. And her reels have been super helpful. The one you shared about like the DIY Pinterest things. I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> I cannot believe that's real. <laughs> so Holly is here on a mission to look at the craziness out there and say like, no, that's not safe. Please don't do that. So I appreciate your commitment to education. <laughs> Thank you. So, all right, let's talk about bed safety. I'm going to kind of just fire off the questions that people ask me, and I want to hear it from your perspective and elaborating on why this is. Um, and we're just going to kind of go from there and talk about some things. So number one question I get on a almost like weekly basis is when can I move my child from the crib to a toddler bed? Yeah, absolutely. So the main considerations of the crib is that the crib is a really safe space. It keeps them contained. Um, they can't get out of their crib and run around the room and potentially get into cords. And, you know, worst case scenario, um, I call it a jailbreak, getting out of their room and then onto the stairs or down to another level of the home where maybe they have access to doors. So their crib is kind of their first line of defense for safety. And ideally, we want to keep them in their crib as long as we can for that reason. But there's situations where that's not reasonable. 
right? There are situations where children start to climb out of their crib and we don't want them to do that. There are situations where we try to keep them in their crib for longer and then they find another way to get out of the crib. A lot of the time, I'm sure you're aware that can be things like leveraging items. So using things like stuffed animals or um, families that choose to use crib bumpers, oftentimes children are known to use those as a form of leverage to climb out of the crib. So that's when we want to start about thinking about those transitions. You know, we, we don't want children to be able to leverage things to get out of the crib. We shouldn't have those in the crib anyway. But then on top of that, you know, what are the dangers when they get out? So most recommendations around switching out are typically somewhere between 18 months all the way up to three or four years, depending on where that child is in their development. But as soon as they can pull themselves upright and, uh, you know, they're sitting unassisted, we should be dropping that crib down to try to keep them in a safe position as long as we can. So when we move children out too soon, the risk is just, again, those jailbreaks, their room not being safe. So that's where we really need to focus our energy is, okay, I've got them out of the crib now. What does a safe environment in the bedroom look like? So less focus on age, more focus on height, weight, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Really, if they're trying to get out of their crib and they're starting to be successful with it, it's no longer a safe place. Okay. Understood. So let me, let me ask you this question and we can uh, kind of unpack from what I teach. And I definitely want to always make sure like what we're teaching is obviously safe. So I, I will generally say under three years old, the child is like, has zero concept of understanding rules and boundaries. So if we can keep them in the crib until three, like, great. Obviously there are situations we've had parents reach out and be like, oh my gosh, my kid's height and weight is um, outside of the cribs limit. So what do we do next? Or my child is 20 months and climbing out of the crib. What do I do? So we've gone through certain things where we say like, okay, let's try to do sleep sacks. Let's try to, um, turn the crib in different directions in the room to see if there's something we can do, um, all kinds of things. What are, what would you say are some of your go-to, like your child is climbing, it's too soon to move out developmentally. Do you have any strategies you can share about crib climbing? Yeah. So what you've said is great. I tend to just say, you know, if you have a crib, not all cribs are like this, but if you have a crib that's taller on one side, so it has sort of a taller side to it, turn the shorter side against the wall to make it more difficult for them to climb out. Sometimes that helps. Sometimes it doesn't because the, the other sides, the short sides might be, might be low too. Um, if there's anything that they could use to leverage to climb out, you know, there is cases in children over 12 months where they start to have pieces of softer bedding introduced. If there's anything in the crib that they could use to leverage, take it out, make sure that there isn't any furniture on the sides of the crib that are considered tempting to them. You know, they might think, oh, it's not that far down to that chair as far as it is down to the floor. Or again, like you've said, using a sleep sack, they make huge sleep sacks these days that, you know, you can get a sleep sack for a three or four year old that doesn't have feet and some kids love them. So it's definitely a strategy to try if you're in that scenario and worried about safety. 
Yes. I talk about that all the time, moving that, like, I always call it just the traditional style crib, like the tall in the back, low in the front, like turn it around. And, um, it's true. Sometimes even if there isn't a lower side, it's almost like the kid is thinking like, Oh, well, my escape route is now blocked. So can't go there. It's like, they're not quite smart enough to think about that, that short edge, but some of you may listening may have experienced that before. So definitely understand that. So we want to obviously make sure the room is safe. We want to make sure that, um, I would even go as far as saying like distractions in the room, like toys, things like that. But I had never thought about, um, the, I love the the term you've been saying, leveraging, using soft things as leveraging. Like I'm going to have to remember that in my checks of, Oh, they have this giant stuffed animal that they're hopping up on and getting, you know, taller. I had never thought about that before. That's so true. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, um, potential hazards that can happen. If you are moving your child, I want to get a little bit more specific about, okay. So perhaps you are moving your, um, anywhere I've heard youngest would probably be like 15, 18 months old, um, to under three years old in this category into an open bed. What are some things that's like, that's not a good decision because of maybe X, Y, and Z could happen or some situations that we just need to be aware of. Okay, so my first thing is the room has to be safe. So you need to make sure that your furniture is anchored because in the overwhelming um, cases of tip over incidents that have been fatal, parents haven't heard that happen because the child is what is taking the brunt of the furniture that's falling, which is a horrible situation to happen. And so because it's something that can happen quietly, even if you're in the next room, we just have to make sure we've got furniture anchored. It is hands down, in my opinion, the most important baby proofing thing that people should be doing every single time. That out of the way, when we're thinking about making the room safe, you know, are the cords out of the way? Have I done a scan for choking hazards that are at their level that they could gain access to? Are the stairs blocked if there's stairs outside of their bedroom? And do I have a way to be notified if they break out of their room? For us, um, we initially put a bell on our daughter's door, but then we realized as we put her to sleep, (laughs) we were waking her up. So what we did instead was we attached a bell to the stair gate. So if she did make it into the hallway and shook on the gate, we would hear that bell right away. So there's, there's some creative things you can do. When it comes to the bed itself, there are different beds to choose from. There are toddler beds, and then there's just standard beds. So a twin, a queen, etc. When we're looking at beds, ideally we choose a toddler bed. And there is research behind why we would prefer to do that. And it's just due to cases of entrapment. I'm sure, Becca, you've probably heard news stories of children becoming entrapped between a bed and a wall or a mattress and a wall. And it's something that I get asked about quite frequently, too, because it's scary to hear that as a parent. You know, you think that you're doing something to keep them safe, you know, pushing a bed up against a wall. And then you hear stories of children becoming caught between the bed and the wall. So it's hard to navigate that. And have you heard, have you got that concern yourself, Becca? You know, I actually, I have not, um, I only reached out to you because for the first time, which is kind of crazy in five plus years, um, this mom reached out and was like, Hey, have you heard about like, you know, does it matter if your child's bed is against the wall? Because I actually 
don't like toddler beds also because I teach after three years old to get out of the crib. And then we want to go to a twin or a full or a queen or something like that, because I've seen it happen more often when it's a toddler bed, the kid is like, Hmm, I can just get out. This was my crib. It's bigger. And I hear way more cases of kids getting out of bed all night long because it's just their crib that's open now. But I'm super fascinated about, you know, obviously the entrapment and I, and I have read and I have seen those really horrendous Facebook posts of shares of the mom sharing, like my two-year-old got trapped between the wall and his mattress because he was in a queen bed and things like that. So this is definitely something that I've never talked about before because it, no one's ever asked me, but also I just didn't know how to communicate this. And if anyone were to ask, I would always wait till three, get into, you know, the big bed, but also don't have it against a wall, things like that. But this is, this is why I wanted to unpack this with you for sure. Absolutely. So let's talk about the pros and cons of these beds. The pros of the toddler bed is that they are typically designed with rails. And those cases where we're seeing these young children, typically toddlers under age two, becoming entrapped between a wall and a mattress or a wall and a bed frame is situations where they just haven't really mastered staying in the bed. And that's always a risk when we move them to a bed. They will very likely at some point roll out. Toddler beds have rails that don't prevent children from rolling out, but it gives them that kind of nudge, that reminder that, hey, this is the edge of the bed. So maybe roll over. <laughs> and they'll kind of, you know, for the most part, instinctively do that in their sleep. So because a lot of toddler beds have almost like a day bed, if you imagine a day bed that has a three sides to it, sort of a little frame, they're kind of the same idea and it prevents in a lot of cases toddlers being able to roll into that situation where they would become entrapped. A really interesting story that I read on the internet um, in terms of fatalities around entrapments was that this can also happen with bunk beds. It's not something that's exclusive to small children. Um, that if you do ever use a bunk bed in the future for your children, which isn't just FYI recommended under age six, that you do need to make sure they have rails on all four sides on the top. Parents that have opted to not use rails on all four sides and instead substitute a wall as a rail is where some of those injuries have happened. So those rails are super important. When it comes to using something like a twin bed, which is what I do with my own daughter, try to choose something that's low to the ground like a toddler bed in the sense that if they do roll out, that they're not gonna have a huge fall. We don't want them falling from a huge plush captain's bed that's you know like four feet off the ground. That's not what we want. But making sure that if they are going to be in a bed like that, that we don't have it right up against the wall. Where those entrapment injuries are happening is when either the bed slips with the weight of the child or the mattress shifts and then the child sort of falls in behind. So it might seem improbable when you look at it, but when the child gets just enough weight in that crack between the wall and the bed, even a small one, that's where it's happening. So best practice would be one of two things. Using rails on beds is great if you can get them. The recommendation is to use ones that meet the current ASTM standard. So um, specifically, ASTM stands for American Society for Testing Materials. 
they have a standard for bed rails. Just make sure that if you buy bed rails, that they meet that standard. They're designed to clip onto specifically beds that have a mattress and a box spring. So you have to make sure that they're compatible with your bed. Otherwise, just don't put it up against the wall. <laughs> just That's the center it in one. the room. Yeah, just center the bed in the room, you know, put a nightstand on either side. You can still use a bed rail if you want. Again, just make sure that it meets standards. But put a rug on the floor. Um, put something soft on the floor that if they do roll out, I'll tell you my daughter has rolled out of bed at least three times. Oh, it's yeah. Not, it's not a huge safety problem as long as it's not a hard fall and it's not a big fall, right? We just want to prevent them from making these big falls, falling off of a... Uh, bunk bed for yes. example so yes that's where the main concern is if we're giving them ample space to roll out the side so that they can't become entrapped or we're using something that has a rail whether that is a twin bed or a toddler bed then we're doing our due diligence it's the situations where we're just pushing a mattress or pushing a regular bed right up against the wall without some kind of extra precaution in place um, and if you do have a bed, let's say on a rug, put some anti-slip stuff under it to help lessen the chance of the bed being able to shift. Oh, I love these tips. And actually I'm, I'm always with the, like, mm, this one is a lot cheaper of an option. Like, let's just move it away. But yeah. So the bed that we got for our girls, um, I, I didn't realize it at the time. I just got it for looks, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing I need to make sure everybody knows. Um, you can have different um, heights on it. So we started with the lowest height for them, which was literally like eight to nine inches off of the floor. Like there was like tiny bit of space underneath their bed, but it was like obviously enough to be not, I, I, I don't like a mattress on the floor in the sleep sense because I don't, uh, I don't like that it basically tempts the child to be like, Ooh, I can just get out of my bed. Like it's two inches from the ground. Um, also, like you said, from the safety concerns, but um, having that mattress or having in the beginning that bed lower, even now we raised it to the, a little bit of a higher and it's probably maybe like a foot, a foot and a half off the bed. Those girls fall out of bed. Um, actually Hattie does not Ellie will like tumble out of bed every now and then. And she'll tell me some mornings. Yeah, I fell out of bed last night and I got back in. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but I would way rather that happen. And it's not a big deal. Um, I think actually parents are more scared of that. They're scared that their child would fall. I get that question all the time. What if my child falls off the bed? I need something to help them not fall off the bed. Well, if it's carpet or a nice plush rug and it's not too far off the ground, like they're actually going to be okay. They're pretty resilient. Absolutely. Yeah. And my husband might kill me for saying this, but his brother, he shared a room with his brother all through high school and his brother fell out of bed all the way through high school. So <laughs> it's not something that's limited to children by any means, but yeah, as long as we're not having big falls, it's just that when they're little, you know, we, we want to prevent as many of those falls as we can just because they're still developing and growing and they're a little bit more prone to injury, but as we get older, it, it's not a big deal. It happens to people all the time. Yeah. But the easiest thing for people to do right now is just go to your child's room and move it away from the wall. Easiest thing to do. Exactly. Yeah. Move it away from the wall. Make sure you've got something soft on the ground and just always do a quick scan of the room for any hazards. I love what you're saying about tempting the, the mattress on the floor being tempting. I like to use the phrase imaginary boundaries that toddlers 
have a really hard time with the concept of imaginary boundaries. When you're a seven-year-old and you're in your room and the door's shut, you know that that is now the room you're in. But to a toddler, they go, well, I know that the door opens. And they, they, don't, ha- they don't know that that door is really symbolically closed. Exactly. So that's, yeah, I, I, that's why I love the, the frame or to frame it as imaginary boundaries. Because in reality, the boundary can always be broken. But it's do we respect the boundary or not? Oh, and toddlers have way too much impulse. They have zero idea. And I, lo- I love that imaginary <laughs> boundaries. That's so, that is so true. And that's why, that's why I suggest, um, you know, staying in the crib as long as possible. Don't make that transition too soon. Um, I have definitely had kids. Actually, I vividly remember my second year uh, being a consultant. I went to a family's home and they had an 18 month old and I was like, and who was in a toddler bed. And that was like way too young for me. And I was like, you've got to get this kid in a crib. They're like, well, he fell out and broke his arm. So that's not a non-negotiable for us. And it took a long time to get that kid to understand. I mean, I, I could always say for that age, like, oh, two weeks, this kid's going to be sleeping through the night. It's going to be great. But it took months for him to actually get it because that development, they just do not understand. And uh, because of exactly like you said, those imaginary boundaries. Um, but I, I also learned another strategy that I, I share sometimes with parents when they reach out is that if the child is somewhere between two and a half and three, and it has been like, obviously there's been an injury that's happened. Um, two and a half is the youngest that actually for girls, they can get it. (laughs) Girls kind of understand the boundaries a little bit sooner, but I also ask the parents to essentially make the room a giant crib. I want no toys. I don't want any, sometimes no furniture. Like if the only thing we can have in that child's room is just the bed, then it's a whole, like you said, a whole lot less tempting to be like, well, why would I, there's nothing happening here. So I I should just go to sleep. Exactly. I love that idea. One big crib. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So we, you mentioned um, bunk beds that you said, I just want to kind of focus on there for a quick second. Um, you said under six years old, no bunk beds. Correct. And that's just because they're more prone to falling and that's a really big fall. So we want to make sure that children have kind of learned how to sleep in a bed and not roll out of a bed before we introduce them to the bunk bed. Some bunk beds do have really tall frames on them. Um, But I'll tell you where I live here in North Vancouver, BC, our school system has a really amazing opportunity because we have a lot of beautiful wilderness here. And every um, year in fourth grade, they would send us to a place called outdoor school where it was kind of like um, a wilderness camp. We stayed in cabins and the cabins had these almost like military style bunk beds in them, but they didn't have like high walls. And I remember going into a room with my best friend saying, okay, this is going to be our room for the week. And I picked at the bottom bunk. She really wanted the top bunk in the middle of the night. Like I'm talking like we're 10 years old, just splat on the floor. And I like, my heart stopped because well, one, I woke up totally terrified And two, I was like, is she okay? (laughs) She was. Um, Luckily, it wasn't her head that hit first. But like, you know, kids roll out of bed all the time. So that's why we keep those rails on. If you do go down the route of using a bunk bed, it's fine. But please use the rails all four sides and not before six. Because they really need to learn about that sort of instinctive, "Hmm, this is the edge of the mattress. I'm going to stop and turn over. 
Oh my gosh. You've, you've had ever since I've talked to you, like for the last however many years, you always have these little stories from your life. That's like, huh, no wonder Holly does what she does now. (laughs) So many good illustrations. Um, okay. I'm trying to think of other big questions that parents ask me. I'm thinking of, this is a little bit more rare, but it's happened. Um, I've worked with a very few, like less than five families who over the years were like, you know what? I just have, I just want one giant King for all the kids to sleep, like two or three kids in a King bed. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's hard. It's hard to keep multiple kids contained in a bed. Um, I'm sure from a sleep perspective, that could be difficult <laughs> regardless, but it was very hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do prefer children just to have their own bed for, for safety reasons in the sense that they won't be pushed out. Um, younger children, especially even when we think about safe sleep for twins, we, we always want children on their own mattress just to reduce the chance of suffocation or entrapment. It's, it's really best to have them in their own space whenever possible. No, absolutely. And I agree. And in the few cases that that's happened, we've advocated so desperately for like, Hey, do you have something else? Another situation. And the few times I've been able to like convert them to like, okay, can you go buy a twin mattress or something? Um, when we talk about, um, your sleep quality. So there was actually a study done. Um, I'll have to like dig up and find it, but basically stating that, uh, married couples, um, or part partners who bed share, um, they actually sleep better separately than together now, because you're disrupting each other's sleep cycles throughout the nighttime. Now me personally, I'm like, no, I can't sleep if Chad's not here. And then I talk to people that are like, no, I sleep better by myself. So in that same situation of having their own mattress, you're having your own sleep cycles, you're having your own space. Like the one child's not going to wake up and disrupt the other. So I'm all, I'm with you hundred percent on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do hear you, the security of having someone you love next to you sometimes makes it easier to sleep. <laughs> yes. Yes. As an adult, I'm all for it. Um, yeah. okay. Any <laughs> big questions that I'm missing that parents ask about bed safety? You know what? My main two are just, when can we introduce blankets and when can we introduce pillows are kind of the two that I get all the time. Um, pillows aren't recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics under age two. The Consumer Product Safety Commission is a little bit less conservative and they say 18 months. I understand why the American Academy of Pediatrics chose age two and it's just that there are still a lot of SIDS related deaths under age two. So if we can keep the softer bedding, things that are plush like that out of the bed as long as we can, that's the best thing to do. So just at age two onward, toddler pillow, totally okay. I would avoid it before then. They really don't need it either. Um, and if they haven't had it, they don't know what they're missing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Parents other do one say. is blankets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're always, oh, what about their neck? They don't know what they're missing. Um, the other one is blankets and blankets aren't recommended under 12 months by the American Academy of Pediatrics. Again, just for obvious reasons that it's something they could pull up by their face and it helps to reduce the risk of SIDS by leaving blankets out of the crib. Um, And that's not, that does not include sleep sacks. The difference between a blanket and a sleep sack is that a sleep sack being worn can't really get into that position where it would cover their nose or mouth. It's loose bedding, things like blankets and um, other sort of soft things in the crib, like stuffed animals that we want to keep out. 
Absolutely. No, I'm with you hundred percent on that. And, um, I wanted to just ask, so you said toddler, toddler pillow. I've never been like, there's this one brand that you should get because there's so many different brands out there. Um, and as far as the size of the pillow, I've never been a huge, like, it has to be this one. It has to be that, but I would love for you to share, like, why should it be a toddler size pillow? And what's the importance of that? Um, just personally, adult size pillows are really large. They're really large and they don't, they don't need that amount of plush space. Uh, if you look at a toddler pillow, they are typically fairly thin. Um, almost like if you imagine a cushion you'd put on a dining room chair. They're just really thin, not very plush, just to add a little bit of padding. Their necks also just aren't as big as ours and they don't need to fill in any gaps like that the way that we do. It's just on a body scale level a very different situation. So um, I don't have particular recommendations around uh, what toddler pillows are best per se. My children have toddler pillows from Ikea. Um, but just that that size, really an adult size one isn't necessary for them at that age. It's just way, way too much plush filling. No, I, I love that concept of um, the plushness, but also it is true. I've had um, I, I sometimes say there's two measures like one. Yes. By two years old, you could introduce a pillow um, if, or sometimes two and after and never under two have we ever recommended it, but after two, especially if the child's using like a stuffed animal as like to prop under their neck, then we're like, okay, yeah, let's get the kid a pillow. That'd be nice. But I love that you said that they don't know what they're missing. I've, I've had parents say that all the time. Like, Oh, I bet they're uncomfortable. I bet it looks like they could use a pillow. When in their life have they used one? So yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and I think something we often forget as adults, just because our bodies are rigid and things look uncomfortable to us, is that children can sleep in, like if they're tired and they want to sleep, they'll sleep in any position. They will sleep on the stairs. Um, we have children that, you know, are in car seats we are facing for a lot longer these days because of the safety data and parents being concerned about their legs being crossed or their legs getting squished up. But Things that look uncomfortable to us aren't always uncomfortable to children that are toddlers and preschoolers because their bodies are still so malleable. And, and so when we look at situations like that, we're, for us, that would make a big deal. If I slept without a pillow, <laughs> I, I would couldn't. not be right. <laughs> but for them, again, not a big deal. But yeah, that's a great, great thing to look for they're starting to grab a stuffed animal and use it as a pillow. Okay. That's a good opportunity. <laughs> yeah. We'll make you a little bit more comfortable. Um, this was great. Thank you so much for kind of helping us bullet point out some of the big things we want to watch out for. This is super helpful. Um, can you tell us how we can get in contact with you and your courses, your workshops, all the good stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at safe beginnings and uh, on our Instagram, I give tips how to keep babies and toddlers safe. So if you've got a baby or toddler at home, I'm your girl for that. We also, through the link in our bio or over on our website, which is safebeginnings.ca, we have online courses all about infant and toddler CPR, choking, and injury prevention. And we do those both live as webinars and as a pre-recorded video-based e-course. So if you don't have life-saving skills, that is something that every parent should have. So feel free to check us out on either of those. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. This was really great. Thank you, Becca. I appreciate being here every time. 
Hey guys, I know you found this episode super helpful because Holly is always sharing amazing action-taking steps to ensure that your child's room is safe. If you enjoyed this episode, would you screenshot it, share it on Instagram, tag me at littlezsleep, better yet, head into your child's room, make the adjustments, take a picture and tag Holly and me on Instagram. We would love to see what you're doing as an action step after this podcast episode. We are coming up to three years of the Little Z Sleep Podcast, and it has been an honor and a joy to be here with you every week to resolve your child's exhausting sleep habits. If you have ideas for guests or podcast topics, definitely send us an email, support at littlezsleep.com or DM me on Instagram at littlezsleep. Sweet dreams. See you next.